Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning, and it's good to share in song. Let's pray together as we uh, continue our service today. Father, thank you so much for this day and all the blessings, Lord, that you shower on us every day. We're so happy to be here. I'm so happy to look out and see my brothers and sisters here this morning and just get to celebrate with them and you, God, and know of your great love for us. And Father, I pray today, um, as we're just moving through this Sunday morning, Father, some of us are wide awake, and some of us are half asleep, and some of us, well, we're just in between there somewhere, but we're happy to be here. And Father, we're thankful to be here. And I hear amens, and that's right, people that we're glad are here who've been sick, and uh, we're thankful for that, God. And I just pray that as we continue through, through this service, that you continue to feed us well. Father, we need you, and I pray that you would just move me out of the way, and you would allow us to enjoy your spirit uh, moving among us and encouraging us today in your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Um, Father, I want to say a little more here. Um, Del Coon's uh, dad and the, and the, uh, and the eye uh, difficulty he's having, I lost the, the title of that right now. You know what's going on, Lord, and he asked that we remember him, and we're doing that now. And we ask that you would heal him, Father, and uh, bless him, and we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> well, I was, uh, I was blessed last night to uh, uh, spend some time with some of the college students and some others. My daughter was with us as well. And um, I don't know. Hi, Patsy. It's nice to see you. The better part of this sermon just passed by. Um, so, um, so we spent some time together at a concert and... Um, and they don't, they don't really, uh, they're not concerned about how, you know, um, I'd get through Sunday mornings if there's a concert somewhere Saturday night. And so if I fall asleep or not off or something, just not nudge me. Everybody falls asleep once in a while in a sermon, right? That's a joke. You, know, we don't, you don't fall asleep in sermons. But I was, uh, I was uh, coming back and we were driving back and it was interesting listening to some of these guys. And, and, and uh, one of them, Jacob Book, as you know, one of our talented musicians here at Sunshine, you know, he gets pretty excited at these concerts, and we're kind of thinking and dreaming and, uh, of, of, of days ahead and what the Lord's doing and what he could do, and it's really fun to listen to, to guys' minds and their hearts and what they intend to do, and you want to spend some time with somebody who's thinking about the Lord. I don't know where he went to church or what youth group he was a part of, but someone's been doing some good work in his life, and it's really fun to listen to him. And he's a pretty good note taker. Um, my notes are decent today. Um, he helped me driving home and I'm just kidding. So anyway, back to where we were. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, January 4th. That's a new year. January 4th, 2015. Happy New Year to you. If you weren't with us uh, Wednesday night at our party, shame on you. I can't believe you'd have the nerve to do something fun without us. Um, I'm glad you had fun. Whatever you were doing, I know it was good, really good. So um, there's this man, um, and he, was, uh, he, he, he became a resident of a retirement community. Um, he'd gotten up in years a bit and decided he wanted some, some other company, and he was widowed. And so he, he becomes a resident at a retirement community, and as he's uh, growing to know folks, he's, he enjoys company, enjoys the friendship, and, and he's getting to know folks, becoming quite the guy there, and, and, he, um, and he became... Uh, kind of connected in relationship with this, uh, this lovely older woman. And as their relationship built one day, one night, they're playing shuffleboard or bingo or, I don't know, moshing at a concert. I don't know. They were doing something, and, and, and he uh, decided to ask her to marry him. And so 
he gets up the nerve and, 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 and the company says, hey, uh, I was wondering if you would marry me. And she said, absolutely, yes. And so he's all excited and he woke up the next day and he couldn't remember what she said. I remember asking her to marry me, but I can't remember if she said yes or no. So he, he said about finding a room and he gets to where she is and he says, hey, by the way, um, I asked you last night if you would marry me, and, and I, was, I just couldn't remember what you said. Sorry, and she said, oh, I'm glad that you found me. I remember saying yes, I just don't remember who I told yes to. Well, New Year's, or starting a new year, right? Remember last year at this time? All those thoughts and dreams, those things that we were going to achieve accomplish, uh, to, to make life better, um, more incredible for ourselves. The lyrics jump out at me as songs. I love music. And uh, one of the songs um, by Reliant K, he says um, that, it starts off, he says, we made it through the year and I did not even collapse. I have to thank God for that. Isn't that cool? It's just powerful uh, lyrics. Uh, to, 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 to a song that, and songs put us in such cool places if we listen, they, they, they really help reveal our hearts if we know, or, or teach our hearts if we know them well. But here, here's the story for us. We're in a lot of different places. If you look at a room this size and you think about a new year, some folks would just prefer life just go right on through, and they don't, they don't necessarily think of years in a cycle or having another chance or anything else. It's just like 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, whatever. Um, other folks dream of new chances, hope for a better life, something beginning again. And there's so much of God in that beginning again, isn't there? There's so much of him in that new start and that new hope. And if we're honest, um, some of us look back at 2014 and we think, man, it was the best year of our lives. And I have to admit, 2014 was a great year. God did a lot of great things, but I have to admit, 2014 was tough. Um, there was a lot of heartbreak and a lot of difficult times. 2013 was a great year. If you're in Jesus, they're all good. Some of them are difficult though, right? And so I don't know where you are right now, but I do know that there's some folks going, man, I hope 2015 is like 2014 or better. And I know there's some of us just hoping and hanging on, praying that somehow we get to a better place, right? It's relationships. It's money. It's health. It's, it's, it's hope. It's peace. So many things that leave us undone, um, hoping against hope. And falling apart. And, and we know the struggle there. I mean, if you, if you allow yourself a few moments to wrestle with that. And I want to I say something to you who struggle with hope. Or us who struggle with hope. And I want to tell you something about me. I, me too. I'm with you. Sometimes things seem so hopeless, right? And we, and we stand up here on Sundays and we try to say hope. And then you live Monday through Saturday in a world that doesn't give much hope. And sometimes I know it's hard to wonder what to believe, hard to wonder if this thing really works, and yet you're afraid to say the truth, I doubt, I struggle, I wrestle, I'm not really sure. And so you go home on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, and all week you wonder, what is he talking about? Why am I not experiencing that? 
What of these folks who say it's not real and it's not true? And I want to tell you, God is safe with your struggle. God's comfortable with your doubt. That's why he sent his son to make connection. And if you doubt and you're afraid to tell your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or, or anyone here at church, I want to tell you, you can tell me. Because I need to tell somebody once in a while too, right? If you tr- struggle with the story and you're hoping that it could possibly be true, but you're going to go home tonight and you're going to think, man, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem right. I want to tell you you're safe with me, okay? I'm not going to tell on you. We'll just talk about Jesus for a while. And we'll talk about hope and we'll talk about faith and how to somehow make it fit. And you can tell the truth to me. But here's the thing. You can tell the truth to Steve and the elders as well. You can tell the truth with some other folks here. God's strong enough to take the truth. And if we're going to get somewhere, we've got to learn to start telling the truth. I struggle with this. I'm doubting this. I don't know what to do with this. And I love you too much, and I love God too much, not to help make a connection, man. But I'll tell you what, if the world is all you're filling yourself with, if that's all you're filling yourself with, then you're going to doubt. There is no way you're not going to doubt. If all you're listening to is what they're pumping out, and if the media is your uh, daily intake of entertainment, and you're watching the shows and you're reading the news, and you're hearing the songs, I assure you, you doubt. I assure you, you're not convinced, because that's their job. That's their role. They want to make you doubt. So when we look at 2015, and you're looking around at your life, and you're wondering how everything fits together, and what is going to happen to make it better, I want to encourage you. There's incredible hope. There's amazing hope. And I want to share some places that's found. Before I get there, I want to share a little bit more with you about a survey that I read. As we think about balance and life and health, there was a survey done, and uh, the statistics uh, shape up something like this. Um, if you live to be 75 years old, 75 years old, and some of you um, have a long way to go, and some of you are going, shoot. 75, they should have upped those stats a little bit, man. What a blessing. How exciting is that? God is good to you, and he is good to us. And by the way, just so you know, when you're 75, 85, 95 years are up, you've got something planned for you that is so much better than what you're dealing with here. And that's exciting. Anyway, 75 years. If you live on an average of 75 years, most of us will have spent three solid years 24 hours a day acquiring an education, grad school, high school, college, whatever it would be, you're looking at three solid years, 24 hours a day, getting yourself educated. Aren't you smart? That's amazing. Some more, right, Jenny Williams? Keep going, girl. We need you. We've spent seven years eating. Seven years eating, 24 hours a day, 17 years, or seven years, sorry. Seven years eating. I like me some Hershey bars, all right? That doesn't say about that part of it. It just says seven years eating. How about 14 years, day and night, working? 14 years, day and night, working. 
You want to talk about the mouse on the wheel, man. Come on. 14 years of your precious life at work. Money just can't be that big a deal, right? Five years riding in automobiles, cars, or airplanes. Five years is in the car, chilling. I think I have a little more time already logged in that with college students. Falling asleep while I'm trying to get home. And then falling asleep in church. Where you at, book? Man, in the back. Five years talking with each other. This is day and night, 24 hours a day, talking with each other. Don Carell, how about that one for you? (laughs) Five years. We'll have spent one year sick or recovering from illness, one solid year. And some of these stats go up and down, you know, depending on the person. And, and then in all, all of that being said, how about this one? 24 hours, or 24 years, 24 hours a day, sleeping. 24 years of your life, a third of your life, sleeping. <laughs> and some a whole lot more, than man, more like 30. I remember being in college and it's striking me, this, this statistic. I'm going to sleep a third of my life away, and so I tried to get by doing something a little differently. That doesn't work. The Lord made you to rest, man. That is one of the most spiritual things that one of us can do, most of us can do, is get some rest. Get a good night's sleep. It's so much better for everybody that has to deal, I mean everybody that you're in relationship with. It's just better that you get sleep. You'll spend three years reading books, magazines, and newspapers. Three years reading books, magazines, and newspapers 24 hours a day. Wow. Wow. And 12 years amusing ourselves watching TV, going to the movies, and what not. I like that word. That's amazing. 12 years watching TV, three years reading stuff. Totals up to 75 years. And they say that's the average of what you're doing. But let's say this, suppose you went to school and it presses on, or you went to church every Sunday of your life for 75 years. Every, every Sunday you went to church, 75 years. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Five and a half months. Five and a half months. Spend more time eating, necessary, reading. Some good stuff, some garbage. Double that and you go to Sunday school tonight. 11 months. Not even a full year of your life together with God's family. And, and if, by chance, part of your consumption of, of uh, uh, reading material happens to be the word of God, then you can up that a little bit. But let's be honest with ourselves. The state of the world today is an incredible indictment on Christians and their being in the word, right? The incredible state of the world today, of the church's popularity in the world today, does not mean we've been in the word. The world's not offended by real Christians. They're offended by those who profess it but don't live it because they don't know it. And I read an article by an amazing mocker of Christianity the other day. And you know what he said about us? 
One thing he said, some of the stuff was so bogus and garbage, but one thing was so true. And he said, the, pro- the biggest problem I have with Christians, or with, with Christians is they, they profess something and argue about things that they don't even know about themselves. He said, I know more about the word than most of them do that they proclaim. And he's right. That's a tough one, man. It's tough when you get in a ball game with, with somebody Right, Coach, when they know more about your offense than your team knows, <laughs> when they've studied you better than you've practiced yourself, and it's, and, it's, and it's difficult and heartbreaking, a real struggle for the world when they're looking around and they know there's no hope in what they're doing and they see us and they know there's no hope in what we're doing. Not because there's no hope in it, but because we don't know the hope to tell them about. And the truth of the matter is, We're sitting here today wishing that we knew and had the hope (laughs) that they're looking for in us. So what do we do about that one? Here's what I can tell you. This doesn't even weigh in social media. It doesn't even take in you listening to your uneducated, unknowledgeable, ignorant, uh, chip-on-your-shoulder, mad-at-the-world peers on social media. (laughs) trying to educate you about what they don't even know. They're just mad and their angst is blowing up and they got a, they got a platform, they got a, a throne and you worship at it. Speak, O wise one. Puke out your garbage, your selfishness, your ugliness. Go on and on and on about yourself. And all the while God's going, man, I just wonder if anybody wants to hear about life. I just wonder if anybody wants to hear about truth. I wonder if anybody wants to hear about hope. And there's no way, I, 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 and I don't, I don't mean this as an indictment, it just has to be. If I fill myself with everything of the world, how am I going to look like anything but the world? If everything I see, man, that's a lot of TV they're talking about. If I'm watching what's on TV, if I'm reading what's in magazines... Do you know that their job is to separate you from your money, to separate you from your parents, to separate you from your spouse, to separate you from everything but them? Statistics, um, information about your, that, that mobile device in your pocket, these things we love so much, they pay folks big money to make you addicted to your device. The apps that you love... Man, you are so trained. It, it buzzes. You know, even the phantom buzz? I didn't have my phone in my pocket, and I felt it buzz, right? How many people? No, we ain't doing that, because that was a bad indictment. They pay people big money to train you to lose your focus, to get distracted by that buzz. Someone needs me. Someone, someone's probably trying to talk to me. Someone probably put something up I need to read, and it's nothing except pulling you back. Every app, everything socially is made to attach you to that thing, that distraction. And you know what they do? They make money. They make lots of money. And you know what you do? You live your life distracted, filling your mind with whatever else they throw on there. Oh my, I think I might win this game. All right, I got another invitation to Candy Crush. I bet you never got one. Man, my friends invite me to Candy Crush all the time. I'm like the most popular person in the world. 
That's a joke. Tongue-in-cheek, sarcasm, whatever. But, but, but this is real. And so, so here's the thing. If you're taking in TV and you're taking in the movies and you're taking in music, they're not trying to make you healthy and you're not the voice of your generation and you didn't coin that cute, cute phrase or cool phrase that you think you said. They already told you that a long time ago and knew you were going to be saying it everywhere. You are a conformist. You're just like everybody else. There is nothing unique, powerful, cool, fun, or different about you. And the reason you feel hopeless is because you've got no hope. You've got nothing if that's what you're taking in. That's, I've got nothing if that's what I'm taking in. Because they don't have anything to give. TV has never been life giver. Social media has never saved you when you were dying. Mm, maybe a few times. You understand the point. There are some incredible things that happen on social media. There are some cr- incredible things that happen on TV that cannot be the fulfillment of my life. can't be my life. I think it's John MacArthur at the end of one of, one of Lecrae's songs, uh, Rebel, um, speaking about or singing about how Jesus was a rebel and how his life was so against the grain of everybody else. And at the end of the song, he's talking about how living like the world, the thing that we think is so cool, the thing they're selling on TV, and I went to that party and I did that thing, and I, he said, um, he's talking about doing all that. Well, everybody's done that. It's so tired. If you really want to be a rebel, read your Bible, because no one is doing that. That's the last rebellion. It's the only rebellion left. Everybody is doing that thing. Everybody is singing that song. Everybody's posting that selfie. You just don't have to be their friend. You're just like everybody else. Meanwhile, you and your brothers and sisters, your mom and dad, your, your husband and wife, your neighbors your schoolmates, your, 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 your co-workers, and every, all of us and all of them, we're all looking for hope. We're all looking for something to, to make it different. And so if we're going to be healthy, and if you remember how many times we, we uh, how long it says we eat in that, 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 that illustration I gave you a few minutes ago, how long we eat every year, you notice there's nothing said about exercise. There's nothing said about balanced diet. It just talked about eating. And here's the truth of the matter. If we're, going to, if we're going to indulge in, if we're going to be a part of that part of life, there's another part of life that has to take place. Work and exercise has to take place to balance out, to give health to, the, to life and to the body, right? I'm taking in. Something has to work to make something of it. And the same is, is true for the part of life, all of life. When it comes to what we're taking in, if we're seeing, if we're doing it, and we are, if we're existing in this body, then something deeper has to take place. If I'm going to be a healthy human being, if I'm going to be a healthy spirit, and you are a spirit, you, you have no say in that. You are a spirit. But if you're, if you're going to live and, and, and exist healthy here, then we've got to do something in 2015 to be different than we were in 2014, right? 
2014 was a great year. Okay, good. Then let's add to it. 2014 was awful. Let's do something about it. And here's what I propose. I propose we get in the Word. Because I'm sorry, 11 months of my life is not enough to be near God. 11 months of my life with you just isn't going to be enough when Judgment Day comes for God to even wonder if I know Him or He knows me. He already knows that story. Really? You got everything about me at church? <laughs> wow. I know those guys, man. They ain't got a lot to give. I'm just kidding. Kind of. You can't get it all there here. In fact, you can't get much here. I mean, you get the love and we get family because that's what we're supposed to be. But I mean the stuff that makes you into what you're supposed to be so you bring it. You're going to get that with God, what I want, alone. That's why the scripture says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're supposed to be doing something about it. You're supposed to be moving somewhere. Well, I mean, I spent 12 years of my life in TV. It, it ate up all my time and consumed my time. I listened to good music on the radio. Nothing about God. Nothing taking him in. So, so what, I, what I want to do this morning is I want to tell you why. Okay? Why, why would it matter? Why would we be in the Word? Why would we want to even chase God for a bit? I know I've said, thrown out some things about Him being life and Him being the only place where there's life, but can you really prove anything? Can you share anything? Can you tell me anything? And so, so I just want to go in the Word for a little bit. And here's why I want to go in the Word. Because the Bible tells us the truth about ourselves. The world offers you a lot of stuff, but do you know that they even censor the things they're telling you? Like, say, for instance, the world wants to convince you that A, that, that, that exhibit A is the proper lifestyle to live. Everything against A, they censor. They don't allow it to be told. And the Bible censors nothing. It just tells you straight up life. It tells you the good and the bad. It tells you the difficulty, the hardships. It tells you things that, that give you hope and things that will crush you. The Bible will tell you the truth. The deal is the world has told us and is telling us that the Bible's not good and it's antiquated and it's outdated. Meanwhile, never sharing with you how outdated and hopeless their material really is. This spew nonsense. But the Bible, though I'm not going to share with you how I know this, the Bible is an historic document proven to be the most historic document that the world has. That's a big deal. That's a pretty big deal, by the way. So, anyway, the Bible tells us right off the bat, things we're talking about right now, about how your life is out of balance or how my life is out of balance. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of your life. And if you're battling with life and you're battling with attitudes and, and, and struggle and lust and difficulty, look at what you're putting in your heart. Because the Bible says this thing is a pretty big deal. And when the, when the computer whizzes many years ago came up with the, with the term gigo, garbage in, garbage out, they stole it from here. <laughs> because if, I, if all I take in is garbage, that's all you're getting out of me. And you can tell my life, you can tell what I'm doing just by watching me and living with me, spending any time with me. That's the greatest tale on us is that you can't fake what's going on in your world. You spend time with someone long enough, they're going to reveal everything. We're not, we're not judges. We're not evaluators. I'm just saying, 
that your life will mimic what you're doing with your soul and with your heart. Philippians 4, the scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. You don't know how to change this thing? Get near the Lord. Learn that you have something to rejoice about and do it. Get in prayer. See what you've been blessed with and be thankful. Pressing on. We have a lot of ground to cover and time is ticking. What else the Bible? The Bible professes in itself. It's an historic document and it, pre- and pre- it, it, it says in itself, of itself, that it is the word of God. Listen to this, 2 Timothy, it's the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Okay, it's God-breathed. He, you know, he expired, it came out of him. He spoke it, breathed it out to men that the spirit inspired to be written down. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good Work. I don't know how to do that. What's self-help manual? It's not self-help, man. It's right here. It's in the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, Him growing me and teaching me so that the things that I thought would never be me, He just makes so genuinely me. So the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, you could be trained in righteousness and hope and life You can be the one who's encouraging hope in people and life in bad situations. That could be you. That could be me. And it's all right here. Just for the reading. The incredible thing that the scripture calls out on me, though, and on you is that in in, in John 17, 3, Jesus is praying in the garden before his death on the cross. Which, by the way, his death on the cross, his life, his birth, his life, and his death says everything about you. Speaking to girls right now who often struggle with identity and guys who always think you have to prove yourself, the, 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 the birth, the life, the death of Jesus says everything about you. Your identity is sealed. That the Son of God, that God himself would be born into this life your life, to experience what you experience, to know you better, and to die on the cross for your sins. That is such a, a quick version of the misery and the hopelessness and, and, and all the life-crushing things that he came into this world and experienced. He was, he was born in a manger where, where animal stuff and everything is nearby, identifying with, with our lives to the most basic extreme and choosing to die on the cross for your sins that that everything about you he wanted to fix he came for love of you and so when you wonder about your identity and your worth that is huge but before jesus dies on the cross he's praying and he says this is eternal life in john 17 3 this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent, eternal life, 
is found in knowing. The Bible tells you that. Not only does the Bible tell you that eternal life is found in knowing God, this, this coming to know him, not, not his address, not what kind of music he likes, but everything about him, what he loves, what he likes, what he's passionate about, his character, his nature, all of that. He says all of that. It tells you that eternal life is found in knowing him, but then it also reveals that, that you come to know him through the word. Faith comes from hearing the message, trusting him, coming to understand him. He reveals it all in here. And in here he tells me that through the world I can experience him. Romans 1 talks about that, that he has seen in everything that's been made, so man has no excuse and he even tells me I see him in you as Jesus talks about how, how often we visit the, the sick and, and fed the hungry and da, 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 da. And then he says, as often as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, saying, you should be able to see me in everyone. You should be able to get a great... So the scripture, it, it, it claims, it professes, it is the word of God. It tells me to guard my heart and, then, and it for sure tells me about eternal life and it's found in knowing God and I can know him through the word. Man, this thing's good for us. It's really, really good for us. And even while I'm speaking, all right, while I'm speaking, we know the truth of the matter here. We know my distance from God is because of taking everything in but this, right? And when we know my nearness, my nearness to him is from taking this in and putting everything else secondary to it. This is life. It tells me that it can make me wise for salvation. Paul's talking to Timothy, man, and this is some cool conversation. He says... We'll just pick up in the middle of a conversation here, but he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse. We see some of that happening. Um, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy, infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. He's talking about his mother and his grandmother. I said a while ago, the world, there's something about the world that tries to separate you from relationships, family relationships, because family is supposed to be teaching this thing. This thing starts in the home. And we can sit and talk all afternoon about all the movies we've seen and the programs we've watched and the networks that we see where, where there are no parents or, or, or a man is totally just mocked to scorn or a woman is living whatever kind of life. Understand that that's not just innocent stuff you're taking in. It's doing something to you. It's supposed to do something to you. And Paul tells Timothy, man, you know this stuff. Remember when you were hanging out with your mom and your grandma? I remember my dad, man. There's so many good stories I could tell about my dad. But when I was a kid, I didn't know a lot about the word. I still don't know a lot. But I knew enough to know that I wanted, I wanted God. And I knew I wanted my friends to know about God. And so my cousins or my friends would go with me to my grandparents' house. And my dad loved to tell stories. And, so, and, and they really liked my dad. And so we would be playing a game or doing whatever, and I would always try to find a time to say, Hey, Dad, why don't you tell us a story? Well, what story is he going to tell us? You know, he, he just told us a story. 
And I can't tell you how many times my friends would come over and we'd do the spiritual setup. It was never planned. My dad would never say it. But we'd be playing and goofing, up, goofing off, and then all of a sudden we're in the porch, on the porch swings and in the chairs, and my dad's telling a story. And I know the story that I learned from my dad and my mom, my grandma. From infancy, I was told those stories, and so were you. And they were able to make you wise for salvation. Because of all else that you try to gain in this world, that's the only thing that really matters. The only thing that matters. And then he presses on, and he says again, All Scripture is God-breathed and is too, too uh, useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How about hope? If there's one thing that we look around the world today and you look deep in your own heart and you wonder about, you wonder about hope, right? We struggle with hope. Man, I just, I, 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 how do you give someone hope? You, you don't give hope. God is the hope giver. You don't just happen to have a little bit in your purse or in your coat pocket or anywhere else. God is the only one that gives hope. And in Romans chapter 15, Scripture says, For everything that was written in the past, talking about in, in the Word, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. That, that there's something in this Word. Man, I'm supposed to be able to look in this thing and read the stories and read the deep Scriptures about people struggling with things like I struggle with, and I see God overcoming them, and it teaches me hope. And I can tell that story to people who are hopeless, and they want to read it because they see in my eyes. They don't just hear it with my mouth. They see in my eyes. I found some hope, man. And then you become the hope dealer. Huh, that's a play on words there. That's funny. Not the dope, but the hope dealer. Huh, that's a good one. Anyway, you become the hope dealer. You share with them the hope of Christ and teach them where to find that hope. You find out in Scripture, God loves you and just how much he loves you. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he didn't hold his son back. That that he loved the most. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. And he didn't send him into the world to condemn him and tell him what a loss you were or what a waste of flesh you were or what a disappointment you were or any of that. He came that he could, you could have life. He didn't come to condemn you but to save you. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, man, it says, you see, at just the right time, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates, he demonstrates his love for us. And he showed us that while, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the word, man, that's where you find that out. That's where you see it with your own eyes. I'm, I don't have to convince you because when you're at home reading and you're thinking, man, I know what Jamie said, but I'm a punk. I know what I do. I know where my heart is. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see... At just the right time. Man, that's good stuff. How about his purpose for you? You know God has a purpose for you. I'm I'm pressing. We're going to be done in a moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has come, the new is here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. 
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Lost my place, sorry. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Nowhere in the world are you offered a job like this. Nowhere in the world are you offered a job that that solely presses deeper your incredible eternal identity. You get a job, wherever you work, your job is to offer a service and they deal with you on what kind of price they're going to give you, what they're going to pay you to, to fulfill this service. And, and regardless of what happens, you're an employee of this place. Um, some places, maybe you have a little more clout or a little more status. But here's the thing about God, man. He saved you. Not only did he save you, he gave you a job that is world and eternity changing. The thing that you are equipped for is world changing and eternity changing. Because as you reach out and as you share the story, as you live this ambassador life for Christ, it has an impact on the world. And don't think it doesn't have an impact on the world because it has an impact on the world. And it impacts eternity, yours and theirs. God has given us the coolest job ever. And, and, and it's in every way. Lecrae also, in one of his other songs, he says, Your money, your singleness, marriage, talents, your time, they belong to you to show the world that Christ is divine. I know you guys are pretty excited. You think you're going to throw down a wrap up here. I'm not. I'm just telling you what he says, okay? Your money, your singleness, marriage, talents, your time, they belong to you to show the world that Christ is divine. That everything you have... It's a part of this reconciliation deal you have with God. And everything you have, he wants to use to make you, to use you in an, as an ambassador to the world. So when you go to work, in your marriage, and everything that you are and everything you do is supposed to be a model, man. The world's supposed to be able to look at it and say, that's what it's about. I get it now. There's no going to sleep here. There's no checking out. It's a lifestyle. He understands what you're going through. Man, I love this about God. He gets you. He gets me. He totally, totally gets you. I mean, when you think that nobody gets you, he gets you. And when you don't even get you, he gets you. I mean, really deeply gets you. Listen to the scripture. Philippians 4. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us, hold un- let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That's what you get from the world. That's what's offered to you everywhere you look. Wordplay, yes, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. Whatever. It's not going to happen. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yikes. Let that sink in for a minute. You're safe here for a minute. Go to your darkest places, man. He's been there. Tempted there. He was tempted with that. 
He was tempted with that and that. And he was tempted with that. And he was tempted with that. Keep going. You're not going to find anything that Jesus didn't face. Everything you could wrestle with, he was tempted with. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Not so that he could taunt us with how perfect he was, okay? So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. He gets me. I'm allowed to just swagger in and say, you know what I'm dealing with here, man. This is tough. I'm home here. Let us approach his, grain with grace with his, his, throne with, uh, his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's been there. He gets He says, come on, man. Get in here. You don't even know what you're doing, but I know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're going through, but I know what you're going through, and I can help you. I don't want to kick you around. I don't want to... To rough you up, I want to, I want to encourage you and give you hope. And, and 1 Timothy says that he's our mediator. He's, he's, he was raised to life. He's gone home to heaven. And when he's in heaven, I see this acted out. Man, I know Jamie's a knucklehead, God, but I've been where he is. I know exactly what he's dealing with. I wrestle with it. I understand it. I can see it. Man, isn't that good to know? You don't know that unless you get in the Word and read, man. And here's another thing you learn from the Word. Chase it all. Go after it all and find out that it's very possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Then he called the crowd to him, this is Jesus, along with his disciples and says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. It's simple. You want a throne and you want to be the man? Go ahead. You're going to lose. You want to bow down and let God be everything like he is anyway and you're taking his throne really isn't taking his throne you can't take him off the throne but if you want to live for yourself that's what you'll gain when it's all said and done but if you want to bow and let god be raised on high you will gain your life for whoever wants to save their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can one give in exchange for their souls? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful de- generation, uh, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And then he presses on with that, calling us and calling us even today, reminding us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. And so I want to encourage you today with all the truths that you can learn from Scripture. In the Word, He tells us that we can find incredible life if we'll snug up near Him and walk with Him and read of Him and know Him and grow with Him. But if you want the whole world, if you want it all, what good is it when you have it all and lose the most important thing to you? Man, you got to feed this. i got to feed this. You're made of spirit, and you're made of physical body, and whichever one you feed is going to live. And if all you feed it is stuff from the world, your physical body is going to rain, and it's going to devour you. 
But if you feed your spirit, all of a sudden you'll find yourself very sensible and someone that the world really likes for real because they find hope and life in you. And the church is going to like you and be a little bit irritated with you <laughs> because you'll call out deeper goodness in us. But we need you doing that, man. We need that desperately. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. And thanks for all that we find there, Father. And Lord, as we look into this new year, uh, 2015, man, you're good to us. And Lord, we can look back and we can see so many deep, deep blessings. We look at our families, God, and our friends, people who have influenced our lives in great ways. And we look forward to 2015 being that as well. But Father, we can look back and see great tragedy. We can see heartache and heartbreak and failure and disappointment. And Father, I pray that you help us to snug up near to you. You help us get in your word, and, we help, and you help us to allow you to transform us into the people that you want us to be so that we live 2015 with hope and life for sure in you. We need you. We need you desperately, God, and we're excited to be your children. And when we're not excited, remind us how good it really is. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you desire to respond in any way, if you're not God's child, if you're not a child of God today, man, this would be a good day to do that. There'll be an elder on either side of the auditorium. You can come up to them, and they will love to immerse you in Jesus. Or if you need prayers for anything, they would love to.